This is IA Forward, your playbook for success as an independent insurance agent. Here to help you knock it out of the ballpark are your hosts, Shane Tatum and Tanya Lead. Shane, I've been thinking about all of the incredible advice that I've been given over the years, and then all of the incredibly not so good advice that I've been given over the years. I want to know today, what's the best business advice that you've ever been given? The top advice is, of course, generally financial related for me, is is around starting a business. And I've said this so many times and repeated it so many times that I don't even know how many different people I've said it to, because I think good advice is advice that you repeat. Take your expected expenses, write that down, and then go back to your revenue, cut your revenue in half, and double your expenses, and then see if it's going to be a viable business opportunity. And that has served me well throughout my life. And taking this over-projector mindset, this over-optimistic sales guy mindset, and said, is this legit or is this something you're going to struggle to, to swim upstream on? And who gave you that advice? My dad. He was a banker. He gave that advice to a lot of people. As a matter of fact, I got a phone call about a week ago from an individual that actually repeated that story to me. He literally was like, you know, some of the best business advice I got from your dad, and this was the best one. And that was 20 years ago that this guy got the advice. And now he's coming back to me 20 years later telling me what my dad told him. And I'm like, yeah, that's like number one in my memory of best business advice. And so this thing is out there. Like lots of people have have heard this. That's amazing. I love it. I'll tell you one of the best pieces that I was given was from my longtime mentor, Donna Ward. And she said that there were three things in life that I cannot change. The truth, the past, and other people. And the only thing I have any control of is my attitude toward those things. And that really changed my perspective in working with clients. Attitude's a choice. There you go. Of course, you said it in fewer words, but hey, you know. (laughs) You can't change the past. I I think the past piece I, I think about a lot because people really struggle to get past their past. They really struggle to let go and they constantly move back there. And especially around failure and picking yourself up and doing it again and We have all of these examples from sports figures to the stories of Walt Disney's failures and all these things that are in the past. And if those individuals wouldn't have failed and picked themselves back up, then where would they be today? Where would that have landed? It's because eventually they found that success in, in most cases. And I think we tend to live in our past a lot and letting go of that and being able to move forward out of that is really fantastic advice. And for me, the most important part of that is the other people. Because so many times we have this thought of, if I could just get them to look at it this way, or if they would just make that change, or if they would just see things the way I see them. It's so easy to see the challenges of others and see ourselves in this light of perfectionism. And we all do that. And that idea of trying to change other people. And it's just absolutely impossible. So at the point that we can give that up, then 
I think that it's really life-changing long-term. It is. And isn't that kind of built around expectations of those people? Like you think that everyone is going to think like you. You think that you believe, or at least this is my story. Everybody thinks like me. Everybody's going to see things the way I see them. Everyone is going, this is going to be easy. Everybody's going to have the same values that you do. Yeah, everybody's going to have the same values. They were all raised in the same type of home. All these things that shape us. And the first thing we have to realize, to your point, is that that's not true. Everyone comes from different backgrounds. Everyone has these different experiences through life that shape them. And if they've been crapped on their whole life, then trust is an issue. If they've not come from a trusting, loving home, and they've kind of been the school of hard knocks and made it anyway, there's going to be a little different approach there versus someone who had a different background coming up through various ages. And so now they're in the business world and they're either being employed by you or they're collaborating with you or you're working for them. Ooh, that's one. There's a tyrant there and you have to learn how to deal with that. There's so many different things that you can go down this path of people. And the first thing for me, and I did not know this, like I did not come to this point until a few years ago. I wouldn't even say 10 years ago. I would say the last three to five years where I started really thinking about, okay, wait a minute. They're not always thinking like me. They're not making decisions that I would make. What's the issue here? That's why we created core values. But the issue here is, is that they don't think like me because they weren't raised in the same environment. They didn't have the same experiences. And so the first step to dealing with people and understanding people is is understanding that they're not from the same place in a lot of cases. I think we could take that one step further and even talk about partner agents that we have brought on board with our organization that, as you so eloquently have put it, feel as though they have been maybe crapped upon. Mama Queen, I hope you're not listening to that and heard me say that on the air. But um, It's my fault, Mama <laughs> Queen. It's my fault. I brought that I brought that language to the table. But we have partners that have come on board with us from specific captive carriers and they're so distrustful because of what they've been through. This was one of those things that I had to really dive into to try to understand. Now keep in mind, I'm 100% independent agent history. I have zero experience in the captive channel in terms of working inside of it. I have a ton of experience, in my view, of working with ex or former captive agents or former captive producers in various organizations. So I've listened a lot. I've counseled a lot. And I have been in many many, many talk you off the ledge conversations. And really, as I went through that and as we had those discussions, what I realized was this is a trust issue. They being the individual, the former agent of that organization, whoever it is, they just had experiences where people were self-serving and it hurt them. People did things that hurt their career. People, in some cases, flat out lied to promote themselves. And they join another organization, start an independent agency, join an aggregator or agency network like we have. So when you're in those conversations, what you realize is that they're either combative because they think you're going to 
hurt them. They think you're going to pull the rug out from under them, so to speak. Or they're very quiet and they're afraid to say anything because they were ridiculed for saying something. Then they come into an organization like ours and we're about information. We're about sharing. We're about helping you. And if you are successful, we're successful. And a matter of fact, if you're not successful, then we're not successful. So there's no real way to manipulate this in an organization and a lot of agency groups and a lot of organizations out there for the independent agent system. So many situations are designed around the success of the agent. Whereas in some other organizations, it might be self-serving. Hey, I need you to write six life insurance policies this month so I can take this trip. Well, that's from a management standpoint. That doesn't help you as an agency. That helps helps your boss, that helps your superior. That kind of stuff doesn't exist in my world, in my view of the past, but it exists clearly in the paths of so many that have been in a different system and made the leap. That trust issue is so real, and it's something that I've learned over the last five to eight years in conversations. So what's another great piece of advice? One of the pieces of advice that I've heard through books, through conversations, is there's nothing new under the sun. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. Now, I can get tarred and feathered really quickly for being non-innovative with that statement. Is there innovation? Yes, there's innovation. But a lot of times there's spin in terms of the insurance business. The insurance business, it very much applies to the nothing new under the sun. And we can pick on insurtechs if we want to, who come out with fancy terminology that was nothing more than uh, risk pooling and sharing of losses and how we're going to pay those claims and how we're going to do these things differently. And in the end, it's the same thing. When you peel back the onion a little bit, the insurance business is the insurance business. And there's so many different pieces to it. And I think that understanding that Uh, was really important for me. I accepted an interview with Independent Agent Magazine in the early 2000s, and I talked about things we were doing and made the cover, and it was a oh no moment for me. Like It was just this talking about things we were doing, trying to get out there in the marketplace with our business model. But when I read the article, and I wasn't misquoted, as I read back what I said, I start realizing I'm talking about this like it's something crazily new. But in the end, it's not that different in terms of the overall insurance space. Now, it was pretty fresh in terms of aggregation, but there were other people doing this in the 80s, in the 70s, in the 90s. And now we're in the early 2000s and we're going to put a fresh spin on it. And I think that there's nothing new under the sun type realization is humbling. It helped humble me to the point of pushing me down this hard work path, this effort path. So one of the best pieces of advice I've ever been given kind of goes against the grain. You always hear these productivity, these time management folks say, do the hardest things first thing in the morning. Make your list and do the hardest things first thing in the morning. And that never worked for me. That was just one of those things that I could try to do those hard things first thing in the morning and it was going to take forever or those things weren't going to be at a level that I have for myself or whatever I'm producing. And I actually had the opportunity to work with someone on energy diagnostics and making sure what time of day that I had the energy to be the most productive, which for me is between 3.30 and 6.30 in the afternoon. 
by switching to let 3.30 to 6.30 be my creative time, I figured out that I didn't get frustrated at the beginning of my day. I was able to do the little more mundane tasks to get my brain working first thing in the morning, but then save that hard stuff for the afternoon and I can crank it out. So that goes against what so many people tell you, but for me, kind of learning to track my energy over a week, every 30 minutes, I would write down, okay, okay, this is how I'm feeling. This is kind of between a scale of one to 10, how I'm feeling, how my brain's working. And I could see that over a one to two week period. That's exactly when I should be doing my hard things. While I haven't done that exact exercise, there are really more productive parts of my day than others. One of the discoveries of coming out of COVID, maybe just that whole experience that the world went through is realizing that you may be more productive in different parts of the day than others. There may be things that you need to do differently. I tend to value rest or pause more during my day. I tend to see myself in spurts of productivity versus just this constant thing all day long. We see that with remote work. We see that in the non-office setting. The office setting gives us so much different of a thing. It's the interaction. It's the conversations throughout the day that might break some things up, but they don't break things up because you're still talking a lot of times about the work. So there's so many different things that I think we're finding our way as a society and certainly as organizations or as from a business standpoint of just what does this thing look like five years from now, having gained the knowledge that we've gained? So many organizations used funding or maybe less expenses due to travel costs being lessened. They've reached this point where they had cash and they were able to invest in technology and put themselves in a spot to take advantage of this. This is going to get better. I really feel like Gen Z is going to teach us some more things about this because I can see it. I feel it and see it within that generation. So give me another piece of advice. Maintaining or staying organized is better than repairing or fixing. This is something that can be really applied to all kinds of different businesses. I just actually had a conversation this weekend with a friend of mine, and it was about the sprinklers weren't working on the field. They had spent all this money on the sprinklers, but they don't have any maintenance plans. Very frustrating situation. I was thinking about how that applied. I've done some things recently to try to take that advice and keep a clean desk. I think that as hard as it is to set time aside to clean or organize your desk at the end of the day prepares you for the next day. That's a really hard thing for me because it's not my natural tendency. I feel personally attacked. I'm attacking myself, (laughs) but I'm doing it. It's something that I'm just historically not good at. And a little bit of a funny story. I have a pile of stuff that I need to deal with, but I have to be in the right mood to deal with it. It's not urgent stuff. Urgent stuff doesn't necessarily go in that pile. Try to get the urgent stuff taken care of. But that pile goes into a drawer in my desk. And the intent there is that I pull that pile out and I look at it at set times or regular times when things die down and I kind of chip away at it. That's the goal. But it stays in the drawer at the end of the day. It goes back in its place. So my desk is clean, but it's kind of a facade because there's this pile that's in the drawer. So when I started doing this several weeks ago, 
probably after a couple of weeks, I was really trying to create that new habit. And I was really disciplined. I took the pile out every day. I checked it. Okay, anything I need to, okay. And then I put it back in. And I was very disciplined and aware of this pile of stuff. So this is what happened. I went a week without pulling the pile out. And I completely forgot about the pile. And I went to open the drawer the other day to get something out of the drawer and saw the pile. And I was like, oh my gosh. The pile. So, you know, <laughs> this is the thing. I don't know how sophisticated that is or good that is as far as advice, but what has happened for me is trying to stay organized and finding a way to be organized that fits me has ironically cleared my mind and made me more productive in terms of thinking, more productive in terms of getting things accomplished. And so now I'm forming a habit here of a clean desk, which is so not me. And I guess I'm coming to the other side here. I'm finding some excitement in office work of maintaining and being organized, keeping us from having a total meltdown in the future. You know what I just realized? I don't have a desk drawer. My desk does not have any drawers. I've never thought about that before until just this moment. It's hard to put things in your drawers if you don't have them, right? (laughs) Okay, so I've got one for you. And this is from a leadership perspective. If somebody else can do it 80% as well as you can, let them do it. This is really hard for me. And I've worked on this for like the last 10 years. This has been one of my big goals. This is really hard for agency owners moving from solopreneur or, you know, in terms of delegation, in terms of hiring people. And if you are one of those individuals that is just get out of the way, I can do it or I can just do it faster. Delegating is not your thing. A lot of agents, a lot of business owners like the idea of delegation, but they don't like the idea of someone doing it differently than them. And even though you train them, even though you might teach them exactly what to do, they're not you. This is the hard thing that people struggle with is that they're not you. They're not going to do it exactly like you're going to do it. What if different than you is better than you? Think about that for a second. I've been in that spot before. Somebody's doing it different than me. They're actually doing it more efficient than me. They're asking questions about why do we do that? And you're so ingrained in the process that you've been doing it a certain way. And someone comes along with a fresh set of eyes and finds a more efficient way to do it that doesn't leave something out. Fresh sets of eyes when you hire someone new. That can be refreshing as a business owner if you can get to the point where delegation is okay or letting someone else do it is okay. A lot of people can't do that. They end up hiring somebody, creating the expense, and then doing the same work that they've been doing and not getting the relief that they were looking for in the first place. Okay, so one more piece of advice from you. As a business owner, one of the things that I struggled to do, I spent the first 15 to 20 years of my career, not really taking time, not really sharpening the axe or taking the time away. When I would go on vacations or family time, I would give family time, but I'm always reading a business book. I'm always making notes in my notepad of some sort, and I'm always thinking about the business. And I think today, Some of the best advice is just making sure that when you take the time, take the time. You need that. You need that break 
in your life. Your family needs that break for sure. You need to be able to turn it off even if you can't do it for a full week early on. Three days, four days of it is not going to, the world's not going to end. The world's not going to collapse. Take it for you taking three or four days to just unplug. I'm going to share the one that I keep on a sticky note on my desk, and it seems very simple, but it's just a reminder to me, and it says, every day, produce. And I had a mentor share that with me, and he said, every day at the end of the day, you should be able to point to one thing and say, that's what I produced today. That's what I finished today. The funny thing about that sticky note is the word produce and the word produce are the same word. And so the first time I had that sticky note on my desk, my husband thought that that meant I was trying to encourage myself to eat more vegetables because it said everyday produce. And he actually went to the farmer's market and bought a whole bunch of vegetables because of it. So I always love that misunderstanding. But yeah, I have that sticky note on my desk, on my monitor that says every day produce. So produce something every day that you're able to point out and say, hey, that's exactly what I accomplished. I love that. I think that we need these little reminders. Um, I've never had to have that visual or put that that statement, but I am I know folks that have done that to the extent of it's on their monitor. It may be on their mirror at home, whether it's produce, whether it's be productive today. It could be as simple as saying something nice to someone today. I think that having those little reminders or little indicators that trigger us are really important from a leadership standpoint because we can't fail in our attitude. If we fail in our attitude, our people feel it. Our people see it. We can't choose to be in a bad mood or our kids feel it or our spouse feels it. And someone can say, oh, what are you saying, Shane? You can't own a business and own an agency and and, and be in a bad mood. No, things happen. And how you respond to that I'm saying is really important because the people around you, they feel it and they're going to sense it. That's why my tagline of attitudes of choice, I try to live by that because if I walk in with a crappy attitude, if I walk in with that mentally or physically outward expression, then everybody's going to know it. I try to be neutral. I try to stay even keel. Sometimes I get in trouble because I'm not a big enough cheerleader. I don't get excited about stuff. And so if you're a leader and you're not ever in a bad mood, so to speak, then your people don't have a right to be in a bad mood either because you've never showed that example to them. That's really important, especially in today's world. There's just a lot of anger and bitterness out there. And it's like, you know, be nice to somebody today. It's not that hard. It's really not. And if you're so miserable that you're bitter, maybe you need to change gears. Maybe you need to do something different because nobody around you needs that. And you're not healthy because of it. So I'm going to leave us with this quote. Your attitude is like a price tag. It shows how valuable you are. Attitude to choice. Make a great one. Bye, y'all. Thank you for joining us on IA Forward. Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now or learn more at IAForward.com. Ready to get the ball rolling with your independent agency? Learn more at IntegraAgent.com. That's IntegraAgent.com.